Hi, this is Bernie Dake. You're listening to the Salvation Army's Words of Life. Hey, before we jump into this week's Words of Life episode, we wanted to share a full episode of another show we create called Heartbeat. Heartbeat is a one-minute show about real life. We talk about everything from finances and prayer to shows about our mental and physical health. We drop two episodes a week, every Monday and Thursday, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. From the Salvation Army, welcome to Heartbeat. Mountain climbers have a concept called the false summit. During a climb, they'll often get to what they think is the peak, only to realize they're at the bottom of an even larger mountain. This is a great spiritual lesson too. I can think of the times in my life where I wasn't listening to God. I was trying to go my own way. This way usually seems easier until you realize you've only reached the bottom of a much larger mountain. Are you on the right path? Are you listening to God and what He wants for your life? Make sure your peak isn't a false summit. For more episodes of Heartbeat, visit SalvationArmyRadio.org. Welcome back to Words of Life. I'm Bernie Dake. Last week, we started a new series called Our House. Throughout this series, Captain Paul Ryerson is studying biblically what the church is called to do and what it should look like today. In this episode, he continues to discuss the commission as found in Matthew chapter 9. Paul takes us back to Jesus' heart to care for hurting people and how this should be the motivation of the church today. And when my heart is tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give way to sighing, when hope within me dies, that's when I draw closer from care, he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow, I know he's watching me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he's watching me. I sing because I'm happy. To me, what makes a good church is a church without walls. We're living outside of our building structure and reaching out. I think today, if I were a non-believer, I would be looking for a church that would be welcoming. Uh, if I had a family, a place where my family could make connections, you know, like children. If I were a believer, 
an already churched, if I were looking for a different church, I'd probably be looking for some of the very same things. A church that preaches the Bible, whose uh, orthodoxy is lined up with what my beliefs are, what my understanding of the Bibles are, and, uh, and that they would preach and teach from the Bible. Welcome back. This is Captain Paul Ryerson, and we're jumping into our second part of our series, Our House, The Great Commission. And so we're glad to have you with us. Where we left off this last episode was Jesus going through the cities and through the villages, having compassion on the people. In fact, when we read the scripture, we read, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I mean, do you hear Jesus' heart when he says these words? His concern, just in these words alone. I mean, simply put, what we read from that is that there are not enough workers. Now, Jesus didn't perform miracles for glory and fame. That was never his intention. He did it because. He genuinely loved those who were hurt. Unlike the motivation often found in the church today, Jesus' love does not come from a spirit of proving that he is right or that you are wrong or that you must first believe a certain way in order to receive his blessings. Instead, when he, when Jesus showed his concern about the lack of of workers in the harvest, he was speaking out of love and concern for the church. Now notice, there is a direct focus on the worker, the laborer. He says the workers are few. There is a sense of a call to action. Jesus saw human need as the harvest, and it was in great supply. He's telling us to pay attention to the harvest because if handled properly, the harvest could be used for good. Now, no, he isn't saying that the hurt, the hunger, the sickness, or that those things are good. No, no. Those were never meant to be good. Those are a sign of fallen humanity filled with sin. But what is good is that we, the church can do something about it. We don't have to sit idly by, hopeless. The world is hurting, in pain, and the church has the tools to do something about it. If only we would have compassion like Jesus. From the very beginning, the harvest has required workers. If you ever have read leadership books on the church, you, you would be familiar with this theory called the 80-20 rule. Now, this rule states that regardless of what type of group that you're in, that only 20% of the people in that group will do 80% of the work. I challenge you, look back in your life and, and you'll find that, that this is true. 
mean, think back to a group project maybe that you did in high school when only a small portion of the group actually did all of the work, but all of you got the credit. Now, you will most likely find the same exact thing in the church. In fact, there is a genuine labor shortage. Now, we all know what that's like these days. We hear it on the radio, TV, social media, that there is a nationwide labor shortage. And like the world, the church, too, has a labor shortage. It has always been that way. It has always been the 20% of the church throughout history that has created 80% of its legacy. This isn't new. So knowing that the workers are few, what should we do? Well, the answer is written for us. Jesus says to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus knows that a pure and honest heart, filled with genuine compassion, wanting to serve the God of the universe, will ultimately find its way to the harvest, ready to roll up their sleeves. But none of this means anything unless we see the harvest the same way Jesus does. He didn't see it as an inconvenience, as as this is too much work. He was not a, a farmer who had disdain for the harvest. I have yet to meet a farmer who looked out to their fields and cursed God for a good crop, who cursed the harvest for being too much or too big. Every farmer knows that the harvest is a gift from God. When Jesus went from town to town, he saw the hurting, the sick, the lost. He saw the harvest as a gift from God. And how do I know that? Well, because there is one thing that I left off earlier when looking back at the last two chapters. You see, when he was healing sickness, giving sight to the blind, casting out demons, not everyone was accepting. Some of the harvest wasn't ready. For every miracle that he performed, there was a person there ready to accuse him of blasphemy, that he was a man with no morals, that he was a liar, a deceiver, ungodly, and was even accused of being sent from Satan. There were some that were not willing or ready to follow the shepherd. And even after all of that, we still get verse 36. When he saw the crowds, when he saw the hurting and saw the unbelieving, he had compassion on them. The harvest isn't the problem. The world is in desperate need of a shepherd. And the church just so happens to know the greatest shepherd who has ever lived. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we pray now to help us, each member of your church, to live out the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. But Lord, may we be workers in your field, rolling up our sleeves and chasing after the very shepherd who has saved us all. This, Lord, is our prayer. Amen. The Salvation Army's mission, doing the most good, means helping people with material and spiritual needs. You become a part of this mission every time you give to the Salvation Army. Visit SalvationArmyUSA.org to offer your support. And we'd love to hear from you. Call 1-800-229-9965 or visit SalvationArmyRadio.org to connect. Tell us how we can help. Share prayer requests or your testimony. With your permission, we would love to use your story on the show. You can also subscribe to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit SalvationArmyRadio.org to learn about more programs produced by the Salvation Army. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to visit your local Salvation Army Worship Center. They'll be glad to see you. Join us next time for the Salvation Army's Words of Life.